Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kurt Flagel. And I'm your other host, Kim Ward. Join us on this episode as we dive deeper into what is the problem with obsession. We all know to a certain extent that obsession is not necessarily a positive thing, but what maybe are some of the hidden pitfalls in this that we're not aware of? That sounds good, Kim. I'm excited to dive right into this. All right, Kurt. This seems to be something that that God's been revealing a lot of stuff to you about based on some of our conversations. So what brought some of this about? What brought this up in your heart? Yeah, that's a great question. The idea of obsession has been an ongoing conversation between God and I. Well, because apparently I need it. About a week ago, a friend of mine who moved away and just came back in the area to speak a message at a local church uh, for one of their Sunday morning services. And uh, he was speaking out of Esther chapter four. And in that moment in Esther's life, what's being recorded is how she's being challenged. Well, she's being, first of all, made aware that her people, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people are being threatened on a mass extinction level. And her uncle's the one who is explaining this to her, getting the message to her, and that she is going to have to be the one to go to the king because she's married to him, the king of Persia, and tell him what's going on and make a plea for the people. But she's scared, and rightfully so, because it's like, royal decree no one gets to go to see the king unannounced on pain of death and he has guards surrounding his throne whose whole career is to cut somebody down who comes into the king's presence without permission that's their job that's what they're trained for and so she's obviously a little concerned for her own well-being And the only way that a person survives that encounter is if the king holds out his scepter. And uh, that's the signal to the guards. uh, You can let this one live. So what she does is she calls a fast and asks her uncle and everyone around him to fast, saying, I will fast and the people around me as well. So when my friend, you know, was talking about Esther doing this, He talked about how every revival, and when I say revival, what I mean is the space people give, actively give for God's spirit to move and change people's hearts. Every revival that we've experienced on a national level came about from heavy seasons of fasting and prayer, extraordinary prayer and fasting. That's the way that we've made space for God to move. You and I are very committed to praying in extraordinary ways, making a lot of space for prayer and growing so. Yeah. In fact, we spend a lot of time praying before we have meetings with people. We spend a lot of time praying before we ever record one of these, which is, I believe, we're the power is it's not that we're brilliant or or anything else or we have something important to say it's that we give god space to move but as he was speaking what i heard from god for for me for kurt was yes you are doing awesome and taking the steps i place in front of you to increase your prayer life and you have been doing so for years 
Yeah. So how about fasting? That's a that's a sticky subject because as I've talked about on some of the episodes, especially some we've had episodes dedicated to this disease that I struggle with, that is destroying the muscles in my legs, arms, and throat, this neurological disease, inclusion body myositis. I need a lot of protein. I need to eat regularly. But this is where fasting in the traditional sense of denying the body food is a sticky subject. But one of the things that I see as a step that God has helped me understand how he moves in our lives is this idea of awareness. Mm. When I become aware of something that may be what God is asking me to do, or I become aware of something that's a negative in my life, even anxiety, Mm -hmm. whatever the thing is that I take notice of, oh, I am really tired right now. Or, oh, yeah, I'm praying a lot, but I'm not fasting. I'm learning to see that as an invitation to bring it into God's presence and surrender it to him. That anything I become aware of, I'm anxious. I'm feeling shame or I'm hurt or I want that thing or I'm sensing that this may be from you to fast. That awareness is actually the first step in seeking after God because awareness is the invitation to surrender. And so that's what I did for two days. I became aware that fasting might be something God is calling me to. And that brings all kinds of wrestling of, okay, with this disease I wrestle with, how do I do this? And that is an invitation to wrestle it out with God. In other words, ask God the question, is this really from you? If so, what does that look like? Is it food? Because my wife's going to have something to say about this. (laughs) Obviously, she's not going to be happy about me fasting from food because we know what it does to my body. So God, but if it's from you, I need that clarity. If you will make that clear, I'll obey. I'll trust you for fasting from food. But there's a lot of like questions about that. And I bring my wife and her what I know are going to be her disagreements to God. I surrender that to him. I surrender my questions about it to him. And I surrender the whole idea. You know, make it clear if it is this, then what what does it look like? That's surrender. It took a couple days, but looking back, I'd say the answer came pretty quickly. And it came through, not surprising for me these days, a conversation with somebody who I invest in as their discipler or their spiritual director. There's a saying, those who teach are twice taught. Those who invest are twice invested in. I would also say that. (laughs) And those who pour themselves into others are poured into twice over themselves. Because in that process of listening closely to the other person, part of the practice and spiritual direction is As you listen to the other person, the role of the spiritual director is to listen well to God. You're to listen well to the other person, but you're also listening well to God. And as you're listening well to God and the other person, you also have to pay attention to what's going on in you and what's being triggered. Maybe the person says something that triggers something negative in you. Maybe they're talking about their relationship with their dad and that triggers something in you that reminds you of bad things in your relationship with your father is meant to be an invitation to surrender to God. 
So as I was listening to this, this young guy, we were talking about obsession. We were talking about the things that he tends to be obsessed with. A certain video game that he can go get so wrapped up in eight hours go by and he doesn't even notice. It's not every video game. There's one in particular. I have a board game that you and I play that isn't just a board game that we play, but it's very much a creative outlet for me because I create my own characters for this board game. I use Photoshop to create my own designs and place them into the game. Right. So I do a lot of creative work to augment the base game to make it more of what I want it to be. It's a super easy creative outlet for me. And as he was talking, I just felt God tapping that saying, hey, you've been asking me what to fast from. Here it is. You can be obsessed with this. That led me to ask him, the guy who I was investing in, okay, what makes this this certain video game? What makes it so easy for you to be invested in this? And he said, I'm good at it because I've been playing it a long time. And that just struck me again as highlighting this board game because I've put a lot of time in learning Photoshop for one reason and one reason only. Now, Photoshop has helped me in ministry to create pictures and we even use those skills for promoting Life Hurts God Heals on social media and things. So it's been very beneficial for this. But the reason I learned Photoshop and got really good at it over the years is because I wanted to design stuff for this game. And, and you're so very I, good at it. And I'm very good at it. Yes. Uh, yes. Practice. Lots of practice, which speaks to the level of obsession we're talking about. <laughs> So I just sensed God definitely, again, tapping that, making me aware that I need to fast. So when you become aware of something, that's your invitation to bring it to God and surrender. When you hand it over to God and get it out of you and take it from inside of you and surrender it to God to speak into, you literally make a space where that thing was, that obsession was. You make a space for him to speak into. And what God always speaks into is encouragement. So as I surrendered this idea of fasting to him, I was making room for him to speak into. And it didn't happen right away. Like I said, it took a couple of days, but it was a constant practice of surrender, surrender. So again, it it didn't happen all at once. It, It was a couple of days of surrendering it, but I kept making space for God to speak into that. He'd probably been speaking, I would say, but I finally had gotten to the level of surrender that I was open to hearing him say, hey, give up this thing that you love, 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 aka obsessed with. And I said, okay. So in the conversation with this guy, again, those who teach are twice taught, as I was listening to him, a couple other things were highlighted to me for myself. And that was, I love certain videos on YouTube like when I'm doing mindless jobs around the house, there are certain things that I like to listen to that are a lot of fun. And I'm a big trivia guy. And so I'll listen to these different um, YouTube videos that are either reaction videos. I love to see new people reacting to things I love, music and movies wise, or they're just people who deep dive into the songs I like and the, the bands I like, and I get to learn more information. And So God's like, hey, aren't you in a season of 
of serious prayer about the relaunch of this church community of Elevate as a church community, as a discipleship training community. And aren't there podcasts that if you put that stuff aside for a season, that you could be listening to that will be helpful and beneficial for you in your heart and mind. Like there's a great podcast from this group that are a micro church planting movement. Actually, they would call themselves a gospel planting mm-hmm. movement that they plant the good news of Jesus in Kansas City called the KC Underground. And there's also another podcast of Messianic Jewish followers who take on the, the scriptures line by line to the Old Testament into the New Testament from a, a more Eastern way of looking at things, which is the Hebrew Jewish way of looking at things, which is very much different from the Western way of looking at scripture. I don't always agree with them, <laughs> but it's a refreshing way of looking at scripture that challenges me and makes me ask questions, which then I become aware of my questions and leads me to, to surrender them to God, which gives him space to speak. So you see the pattern. And so he's like, yeah, there's some of that that could be going on with this Bama podcast and Casey Underground. Yeah. And I said, okay. Those are pretty big things, knowing you the way I do and having experienced your love of both of those things, actually. Those are pretty big things to lay down. And because you and I have already talked about it, I know you're not just laying it down for a short time. It's months. That had to be a pretty huge wrestling match. So how does this how does this tie in these things that you're giving up how and this fasting you're doing how does this tie in with obsession and the problems that come with it I'm a passionate person in pretty much everything I do passion though can bring about obsession and God is a god of passion he is a passionate god he's passionate for us but he's not obsessive so what's the difference and this kind of goes into your question What is so dangerous about obsession? I mean, we would all, I'd say we all say it's unhealthy, but are there, like you said in the beginning of this, are there hidden dangers in it? And I'd say there are things that are very much hidden and on a spiritual level, obsession has dangerous connotations. And this goes, takes us back to the podcast that we did about boundaries In that podcast, I referenced a conversation I had with Chris Wolwind who was the first host with me on Life Hurts, God Heals. There was a season of Chris's life where he pastored. This is his story, so I might not be completely accurate with my details because I didn't live this story out. But from what I remember Chris telling me, there was a moment when he had a couple coming in for marriage counseling. And the woman comes in and she's walking in a very, very unusual sort of way. She's basically hunched over almost so that her legs and her upper torso are 90 degrees from each other, like super hunched over. Her arms are like twisted and she's walking in that way. Now, if that imagery makes you think of horror films, that's kind of what Chris was describing. He had no idea what to make of this, right? This was meant to be a marriage counseling session. (laughs) And he found himself basically confronted with a unclean spirit, as scripture would call them, that was manifesting itself in this woman. And he didn't know what to do with it. 
I think a lot of us who are Christ followers would feel the same way, right? What do we do with this? So that sense of being unequipped to deal with this kind of experience sent Chris to a church that actually taught spiritual warfare and trained people in spiritual warfare. And this church community is where he learned that he was actually gifted at discerning, as scripture calls it, the discerning of spirits. And it was something that God had given him as a gift, but there's kind of an on and off switch. As his name got out there, he'd be invited to go to churches and people's homes. And he would go in and he could walk around in the building, in the home, and point out problem areas and what's going on there. Mm -hmm. So the way that worked for him was he would pray before he went in for an extended period of time and ask God to prepare him and fill him with the spirit. And that was the on switch. It was really God that would do this. And he put himself in God's presence and made himself open and then go go in and do that. But as much as he was filled with God's spirit, he would tell you, because he's told me, that over the years it wore on him because of the things that he'd experienced and what he sensed. And and it was difficult. It was spiritual warfare. And you're, you're opening yourself up to be sensitive to the movements of the enemy in real ways. And that creates a weariness. I guess. And it did. It wore on him. So he stopped. But the stories to describe for you what Chris experienced to help you understand when I tell you what he's taught me about obsession comes from this, from a spiritual sense. What he learned in that process was a different definition of possession. And what he said to me was, Kurt, a lot of people talk about possession like a demon possesses us. He said, what I've learned is that angels and demons, these spirits, are not like people. They aren't people, and they abide by different rules. Demons are fallen angels. And one of the rules that even fallen angels have to abide by is boundaries. There's a story in scripture where Jesus is casting the demons from a demon-possessed man, and he had a lot of demons in him. And they, and they, in fact, they called themselves legion because there were so many, right? There's a legion of demons in him. And they begged Jesus to let them go into a herd of pigs as he was casting them out. There's permission there. So even they abide by rules, see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even they could not just go into this herd of pigs. They needed access. They were in this man and that was their boundary. So what, what made this man an open door? that they could get into him, that they weren't able to get into those pigs unless Jesus said yes to that. What's the difference? And this is what Chris was telling me is the spirits have this sense of boundary. They don't, they don't get to possess you, actually. It's not about demons possessing us. It's about us possessing them, which is the idea of obsession, right? When we hold on to something, and don't want to let go, that creates problems. Romans 1 tells us that those who, though they know God is the creator, they refuse to acknowledge him as such. And though they claim to be wise, they became fools because they started to worship the creature or the creation rather than the creator. There's the idea of obsession. 
the best definition of worship is something that I'm thinking about all the time, that's in my heart all the time, that I'm constantly have close to me in my mind and heart. That's obsession. If it isn't God, it's either worship or obsession. And, and passion is for God is worship. Passion for things that we created, things that we put in place of God become obsession. And when we worship the, the created things rather than the creator, that is what opens the door for the enemy to come in. He is attached to things, you know, in this world. He's the God of this world. And when we worship, you know, put something else in the place of God, that opens the door for demonic activity. We're possessing it and them rather than them possessing us. And the longer we hold on to that, rather than going to God and releasing it, creates more and more problems for us. Because those things that we attach to that aren't God, they all have something in common. They have an expiration date. Every created thing has a beginning and an end. So if we attach ourselves to things that will eventually end, we are attaching ourselves to death. But if we attach ourselves to God, who is eternal life, even when things end, careers, relationships, all of that, even when we experience an ending in this world, we attach ourselves to God. We move with him through that ending and find there's a new beginning on the other side. So the danger of obsession is to attach ourselves to death. The enemy, he is the God of death. He is the God of lies and murder and death and pain and disease. So when we attach ourselves to things that die, we, we allow him entry. This is why it was so important for Abraham to listen to God when he said, give up your son, your only son, surrender him in sacrifice. Because all of the promises and the covenant that God had made to this man, Abraham, like I'm giving you this land you're living in, though you're living in it as a shepherd and a homeless man, basically living in tents, you know, I promise you that I'm giving this land to your descendants and they are going to be like the sands on the seashore, which would become the Jewish people, the Hebrew and the Jewish people. But all those promises were wrapped up in his one son, right? Yeah. Abraham's one son, Isaac. And then God says, now, Abraham, give up your son. Now, a lot of people over the years have wrestled with this and a lot of people who have actually walked away from their faith have pointed to this as like, how could the God of Israel who indicted all other gods that made the, the their people like sacrifice their sons and daughters in the flames? That was a big part of the cultures around the Hebrews and Jews. Why would that same God who indicted them for doing that then tell Abraham to, to sacrifice his son? That's a real question. Yeah. That's not something that people just like make an excuse to walk away. That's, that is a real question. And it's one I think we should all wrestle with. But where, again, do we go in our wrestling? Do we wrestle with our questions in our own mind, in our own heart? That leads to obsession. Because then we're just stuck in an ongoing downward <sighs> spiral, right? The point is when we become aware of a question, this is the beauty of the, the, the solution obsessions. What I've been saying through this whole discussion is surrender. 
Wrestling is surrender to God. And when we don't have the answers and when we have questions and we become aware of those questions or that anxiety or whatever, what do we do with it? That's the critical question. Do we wrestle it out in our own mind or do we wrestle it out with God? And in this case, Abraham showed us the way. He had questions like all the promises of God were wrapped up in this kid. How could this be? There's a book in the New Testament called Hebrews that gives us like a, a greater understanding of what was Abraham thinking. And he said he reckoned that even if God did kill this boy, that he could raise him from the dead, that God was good for his promises. In other words, Abraham chose to hold on to God and nothing else. This is a danger for all of us. God gives us really good gifts. I have a great wife. I have awesome kids who I love very much. I have you. I have great games. Those are all created things. And the danger that God saw in Abraham was that he would hold to the promises that God gave and the created things that were defined by those promises rather than the creator. And that's where the enemy comes in and has a field day. Here's a perfect example in a very crazy way. Chris told me a story of like he went into a house and, you know, doing his thing. And he identified a box in the garage that they were having a lot of problems, spiritual problems, things moving around of their own accord and just crazy stuff you would see in horror movies and all that kind of stuff. And Chris goes into the basement, into the garage rather, and he's like, that box right there that's on the shelf, that's that's an issue. He's like, whatever's in that box, you got to get rid of it. And they're like, there's uh, statues that we bought like in India or Indonesia or somewhere overseas. They're like $200 each or something like that. Those are expensive. And he's like, okay, do this. Take that box, take it off your property, put it out on the street, on the sidewalk, just for the night and see if things change. And what he, he began to explain to them that, see, in those cultures, they have their gods that they worship. And from our standpoint, where we're coming from is all these other gods are, that are taking the attention off the creator are demons, trying to take the worship off of God and onto them. These people will think they're blessing people by creating a, a statue or this thing that they make that they are worshiping their God and they're blessing it. And then they sell it to people. What they think is a blessing is actually them allowing a demonic spirit. They're allowing that to be attached to this thing, like a boundary. And whoever takes that and buys that now has this thing. And now they brought it into their space across their boundary lines and given that access to their property lines. And so it can mess with things. And Chris is like, get it off your property, get it out of your boundary and see if things don't change. And a lot of people thought he was crazy and, and they didn't want to give up their stuff because they spent a lot of money on it. They're attached to it and they move it off their, their space. And inevitably he gets the same phone call every time it all stopped. He's like, okay, you took the step. You saw what happens. Now it's your choice to actually let go. This is the beauty of what I talked about. When you become aware of something, like they became aware of it, you have a choice to make. Like Abraham in that moment became aware of God saying, this is going to be an issue. 
Abraham, like all of us, and those people in that story had the same choice. Will I let go? Will I surrender? God's gift is awareness. And with awareness comes an invitation to surrender. And when we surrender, we give God room to move. And that's the beauty of surrender. And that is the danger of obsession. If we don't give God the room to move, asking God the questions, confessing how we feel, I'm anxious. I give that to you. What do you want to say? Where's this anxiety coming from? God, I'm mad at my wife right now. She called me this name and I don't know what to do with that. I can wrestle that out in myself or I can wrestle it out with God. If I become aware that this is what's going on, whatever it is, and I give it to God, I give God the space to speak and move. And what God always does is encourage and strengthen. God is always about edification, which is the word in scripture for building up. He's always here to build up if we will make the space. And that's what Abraham did. He simply believed that God was good, even when he didn't understand and he surrendered his son. And then God provided a ram. And that was a beautiful picture of that God would not even withhold his only son from us. Because God is like this. He's the God of the universe and he gives himself away to us. Mm. And this is meant to be a relationship. It can't be a one-sided deal. And what we see in the picture of Abraham and Isaac is what God did with Jesus. He wasn't asking Abraham to do something he wasn't prepared to do. What he was always preparing to do was give us his own son. And Jesus gave himself fully to us. But it has to be a mutual thing. In a relationship, it's both parties have to be giving of themselves to each other. And that's the beauty when we do that, when we respond to God saying he's giving himself completely to us. We get to open ourselves up and give ourselves completely to him. And then he responds by showing us just how much he's giving us of himself and speaking love into us and joy and celebrating us. And we find in those dark places that we are wrestling, when we give God room to speak, he speaks celebration over us. He speaks how delighted he is, how beloved we are. And that becomes life. But if we hold on to these things, we're allowing death to reign. And that's where the God of this world lives in death. And we give him room to operate. And all he brings is more anxiety. That is death, anxiety and worry and shame. That is the hidden dangers of obsession through attaching to death. That's really good. And on that note, as a surrender point, feels like we've kind of hit everything, which just leaves prayer. I'm surrendering everyone who's going to be listening to this podcast back to him, which means it's your turn. Okay. Thank you, God, that you're here with us right now. And thank you that there's not a lot to say. I've spoken a lot of words already. There's really not much more to say other than help us be open. So, God, I bless everyone listening and the power and authority that you've given them and me and Kim as your beloved children, as Colossians 3 says, we are chosen, holy, and beloved. That's what you say about us. So I bless everyone listening to this with openness to hear you speaking into them, how beloved they are, how delighted in them you are, how much you're rejoicing over them, and agree with you. 
bless them with awareness and agreement with what you say about them. I bless them with openness and awareness to see where they're resisting you. I bless them with the ability to surrender. I thank you that as they do, they will experience more of the fullness of your love for them. I bless them with your encouragement. And I thank you that you put your courage in them to take one more step. So I bless them with thoughts. I bless them with your power and your strength to hear and obey. And we pray this in the power and authority you've given us as your beloved kids. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Kurt. This is uh, this has been really good. Thank you for uh, leading this, Kim. I'm sure it was heavy lifting all the thing, all the questions you had to ask to pull things out of me. It was tough. Yes, so tough. Uh, good stuff. Good talking to you. You too. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Life Hurts, God Heals. And if you're curious to know more about us and what we offer... We are part of a larger organization called Elevate Slow, which is a disciple-making movement intent on seeing the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, planted in every culture around the world. If you'd like more information, you can go to our website, elevateslow.com. That's elevateslo.com. And as always, Please remember that you are God's beloved, so be loved. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.